Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Dude, uh, the Sharks should be on a three-game win streak right now. Instead, they've won two games by one goal. But we'll take it, dude. We'll take it. We'll take it's it. It's high drama. It's high drama always with the Sharks. It can't be easy. Why can't it be easy? No. No. And while that loss to St. Louis in overtime certainly left a bad taste, and I'm sure everyone's mouth... This has been the best three-game stretch of our still young season, right? Oh, uh, I mean, most definitely. And I think we know the uh, the common denominator here. Uh-oh. And it is uh, the absence of Eric Carlson. I mean, we, we can get into that. Didn't take later, long for that but, to come out. Uh, but there's no denying that uh, Eric Carlson and Radim Shimmick have not been present uh, for this three-game streak. And lo and behold, the effort improves and the overall team concept seems to uh, be taking shape. So, uh, I don't know, dude. Coincidence? Possibly. Um, <laughs> possible. Uh, but, but also, possibly not. Uh, dude, I mean, uh, you know, the, the Sharks got criticized heavily by their coach for their lack of response to the injury to redeem Shimmick in the game against Vegas. Uh, Bugner was upset about that, uh, has given them a couple of tongue lappings over the last week. Um, you know, we've, we talked about, on, I think on the last podcast, how, um, you know, this is uh, something that is uh, not natural to the Sharks, right? And you could see even yesterday, which I kind of laughed a little bit, like there was a point where I felt like someone kind of came in a little close to Dubnik and like I, I felt like it took a couple seconds and like Malosh was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, don't don't do don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, better late than never, right? <laughs> yeah. Just uh made me laugh. I <laughs> I appreciated the effort. But Anyways, dude, um, there's certainly more to be positive about this week, I think, than there has been for weeks past. And I think you're right. This is probably the best week that they've had in this young season. That's right. They beat Anaheim in regulation. Who knew? (laughs) Uh, Then, of course, the extremely frustrating meltdown against St. Louis, who they played approximately 58 good minutes of hockey gave up the tying goal with 50 seconds left and then promptly lost in overtime. And then a very Sharks-like performance in gaining a pretty decisive lead in the first period, throwing it all away in the second period, and then a little bit unlike the Sharks, who are still definitely negative in the third period, they managed to score the tie-breaking goal and go on to win 5-4 with Devin Dubnik in the net. So certainly I would not say all um, roses and puppy dogs for all three games, but obviously plenty of stuff to build on. 
58 good minutes against the one game that they lost, uh, a what I would consider to be a comeback win in the second St. Louis game, and then, of course, beating an Anaheim team that's just not very good. Yeah, I mean, all boxes checked here in terms of progress, right? Uh, and it's a really unfortunate because I think if they had won both games in St. Louis, I think we would be, you know, having even a, a more of a jubilant tone right now in terms of is this uh, a corner being turned here? And unfortunately, uh, the Sharks have displayed in both of the St. Louis games where they still sorely have some issues, right? Which is uh, holding on to leads and playing a consistent 60 minutes, right? The Sharks almost delivered that in the first St. Louis game and fell short. And their effort in that final minute where they were trying to protect that lead was, I just, I couldn't believe that to me they should have been playing like this was game seven of the cup final like they should have been desperately this team is about to hit rock bottom and they can finally win you know two games in a row and they just didn't seem to have it in them right and then you know conversely last night they coughed it up in horrifying fashion and they found a way to come back, right? I can't remember. I think there was an article, might have been, you know, I can't remember if it was Kevin Kurz or not, who talked about, I think the Sharks have blown two goal leads multiple. I mean, it was like, it was like they've blown it like five times this year. <laughs> and they've come Any back number you would have said would not have surprised games, me. Right? But like, you know, that just tells you a lot about where this team is um, in terms of confidence. But... This is something to build on, right? Uh, as they're about to enter, while it's a homestand, a murderer's row of opponents here. So, uh, but certainly more positive now than it was last week. That's true. That's true. And exactly how much of that positivity is due to the absence of EK65 is a... Uh... It's an exercise left up to the listener. Let's put it that way. I <laughs> Well, we're going to find out, dude. I mean, we're going to find out when he comes back. We'll see what changes, right? Yeah, that's a good I point. Mean, and, and uh, you know, and, and some of this has to come down on Bugner. Like, these in these three games, I think that, you know, in the roles that they've been put in, you know, especially, you know, Kanishov and Ferraro – have played well. I mean, they, they've played well. Uh, and I don't know that... I hope this is evidence that he doesn't feel compelled that he must play Eric Carlson 27 minutes. Like, it's it's just... It's not necessary. Right. It's not necessary. We've talked about how Malosh and Clayson have proven themselves to be competent third-pairing demon, Right. Uh, and they're still the coaching staff still getting to know them. They're still getting to know the Sharks players. You know, uh, neither of them have been around the big club much at all. So, should do they deserve more of an opportunity? I think so. I don't think that they've shown that 
that they can't hang, right? Like, I think that they are capable of, you know, they certainly have, um, I know it's only been three games, but you're not, you're not pining for Jacob Middleton at this point, right? I mean, like, you've got these two players who seem to be able to fill that role. That's so, true. That's true. And Clayson and Malash played 1008 and 957 respectively in the most recent game. So I would say that's definitely uh, fewer minutes than you would generally see for the third pairing. As a contrast, the Blues played Bortuzzo and Gunnarsson over 13 minutes. So they're missing uh, probably, let's see, do the math. They're, they're missing maybe three or four shifts at least, uh, one or two shifts per period. Sure. Um, you know, roughly in terms of a normal third pairing, but you know, this isn't back in the days. I know we it would always kind of drive us crazy um, when we would see fourth line players playing three or four minutes. And the Sharks are definitely have the fourth line playing in the signal digits. Gambrell, Gregor, and Leonard all playing around eight minutes uh, in the most recent game. So it, it's something I. I'm okay with, you know, 10 minutes, maybe not ideal for a third pairing, but as you said, they were plus players in the most recent game. They're not huge defensive liabilities. Are they going to skate the puck up and, and juke out five uh, defenders the way Brent Burns did in that goal and score? Of course they're not, but these guys are not just pylons. They're fine. And I think fine defensively is probably exactly what the Sharks kind of need right now. They need a stabilizing force as opposed to this big jump in the first period and this terrible dip in the second. Like a stabilizing force may be just what the doctor ordered. Right. I'm I'm sort of looking at this as I hope this is a little bit of a reset and maybe a step forward so that when Eric Carlson returns, which, you know, we can also talk about not just the poor play of Eric Carlson, but I, I don't... I know they're sort of downplaying this groin injury, but I mean, I don't know how that's not disturbing that again, here we are with um, what they're not describing as the same injury, but you know, the same general area, maybe on the other side, I have no idea, but um, that's, uh, that's not good. But um, that when he comes back, whatever this version of Eric Carlson is, the Sharks are stuck with him. Like he, he is going to be in San Jose for at least the next several years, un- unless he can reassert himself as a dominant player and then his market value will be vastly improved. So they need to figure out what, where can he be most effective and asking him to play 25 or 26 minutes clearly isn't working, right? That's not, and I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. You know, uh, Although Burns did play 29 minutes in the most recent game. Right. Well, I mean, but he is not making the, it, you know, funny enough, like where he was sort of considered the, you know, the problem child co-starring John Ritter, right? <laughs> uh, 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 when it came to responsibility, like he clearly is not the, you know, most disturbing presence. Uh, you know, his his Corsi is essentially neutral, right? Which, I mean, I have to go back and look, but I don't know. For Brent Burns, I don't know that that's 
That's so bad. Let's see. Let's see. Last year, well, compared to last year, he was a negative, right? He was a negative Corsi player. And then, you know, in sort of his dominant years, he was in the fives, right? He's one of the best defensemen in the league. That's not the case anymore. You need Brent Burns to be, you know, solid and not spectacular. I think those days are gone. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hope that they, I don't think it's necessary to play Burns 29 minutes either. Like, I just don't think, I think Kanishov and Ferraro are showing that they are capable of taking on more responsibility. I mean, we were asked last, you know, when we were doing the stream, live stream last night, which I know you'll talk a little bit more about second, like, who's been the biggest surprise? I mean, maybe it's Kanishov. Like, I mean, the guy is most definitely a competent NHL defenseman. Yeah, this is a guy that no one had ever heard of before this season, and now he's playing 22 minutes a night. Like, how is this... And and this sort of dovetails into another topic we're going to talk about in a second, sort of player grades, because Curtis Pichelka wrote an article in the Mercury News about uh, different player grades so far in the season, and we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, let's talk about the live stream, dude. So as a lark on a whim, I know that a lot of uh, people are watching Twitch these days. Uh, live stream gaming is very hot. Um, a lot of people are watching... Uh, streams thousands of people at any one time tens of thousands sometimes and i thought you know what might be fun it's something we've sort of played around with before is like what if we tried to do some content while the game was actually happening now you know due to copyright concerns we can't actually broadcast the game of course either the audio or the video but i thought it might be kind of fun if we could stream alongside the game and maybe if someone were sitting in front of their television watching the game they might have us on a tablet or a phone or something and the cool thing about Twitch and the live stream is you can interact with us, with other uh, people watching. Um, you can, you know, type in your reactions or questions and we can talk about those. And it was a lot of fun. We just kind of, you know, set it up on a whim and I tweeted it out like as we were doing it just to see if it would even work. <laughs> you know, I didn't even, I didn't even know if it was going to work. And, uh, you know, we had a few people jump on and it was actually really fun. So I think we're going to do it again. I put a poll on dudesonhockey.com. If you wouldn't mind, if you listen to this podcast, head on over there for a second, just fill out the poll briefly. A couple different choices about whether you might be interested in in jumping onto a Twitch stream with us. Um, we're going to try it again. We're going to do it again uh, this Thursday. The Vegas game this Thursday, you might get a little extra dose of negativity from us <laughs> if things go <laughs> the way they have been, but at least you could be negative with other people. Um as well as us. And I invite you to join Twitch and check us out. Of course, the channel's name is Dudes on Hockey. So um, check it out. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. All the kids are into it, man. It keeps us young, right? It's, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, when we sort of looked at the Sharks compared to some of the other teams in the NHL, uh, you know, I, I've been using this website, Evolving Hockey, which is a fun website for people who like advanced stats, which you really turned me on to, dude. And, um, you know, expected goals, uh, the Sharks were ranking as, you know, one of the worst teams. They were in the bottom three, you know, last we took a look at this. And they have elevated themselves to uh, to 22nd. Instead of, you know, so that's that's progress, right? It's Absolutely. Still the bottom third of the NHL. But they have leaped up out of the 
you know, the basement where they were lurking with some of the teams like Ottawa that we consider to be some of the worst teams in the NHL. So, um, you know, going from, I think they were 28th to 22nd, I think in two weeks is progress. Uh, it means that they are, you know, uh, improving instead of, you know, while it maybe isn't coming up on in the standings necessarily, although they are, you know, technically, I believe, uh, a 500 team, um, you know, at seven, seven and two. And they are not, you know, they are they are in the mix for that fourth spot, dude. I mean, that's they true. are they're right there. Uh, this next stretch is going to tell us everything we need to know, right? Yeah. Can they continue to stay above water while battling with some of the toughest teams in the NHL? Yeah, what they're playing happen? all the top three teams in the division over the next couple of weeks, multiple times, some of them multiple times. And uh, only a couple of games against teams that well, at least right now, the Sharks are sort of on par with. There's only two points separating the third best and the eighth best team in the division. So it's very tight, sort of at the bottom of the division. St. Louis and Vegas are a few points ahead of everyone. Colorado, two points behind them. So, you know, certainly a lot of this gap could be could be closed uh, quickly. There is not a huge amount of separation that we see the way we see in, in some of the other, uh, you know, some of the other divisions, for instance, you know the central or the uh, the northern division. The Maple Leafs have thirty points, and the Senators have nine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that yeah. that is not the West right now. Yeah, well, I mean, there certainly is uh, a, a big difference between you know uh, the the teams in that division, uh, most certainly, and I would say you know in the East that you could probably draw a pretty strong line between the the good teams and the bottom feeders there. But it is difficult with this, the way the schedule is for teams to go on massive runs, right? Because you're playing the same teams over and over again. You're playing these baseball style series where sometimes you're playing two, three games in a row against them. It's difficult to get these long runs. I mean, the biggest win streak right now in the NHL is shockingly the Los Angeles Kings, dude. Uh, come in with four wins in a row. I mean, yeah. The Kings have now vaulted themselves into that fourth spot, you know, and they have a plus three goal differential. I mean, we, we saw, you know, how, you know, good and then also bad they were, you know, uh, all at the same time. Uh, this is the playoff spot is there. It's there. Right, right. If the Sharks can get their act together, it's there. Because these other teams um, are not good either. <laughs> you know, the Ducks are not good. Minnesota has played, you know, only 14 games, but they have really struggled lately. Uh, Arizona is not very good either. So that spot is there if, if they want it. That's right. And, and this week maybe shows us that maybe they – want it a little i mean we'll, we'll yeah. see they yeah. can build on it right it's interesting how certainly after how frustrating that second period was uh in the most recent game where the sharks ended up winning uh i guess the story coming out was not that bugner went in there 
and ripped them all a new one after coughing up four goals in the second period and the lead, uh, he actually said, just go out and get it. This is our win. And that, you know, it, you know, how can you attribute the win to any one thing? Is it the pep talk? Is it just, you know, a stroke of luck? Who knows? But it's interesting he went with that tack because certainly he seemed to go with the stick before when Shimmick was hurt. And this time he sort of went with the carrot. You know, this is your win. You guys just go out and get it. And they did against a good team, against the number one team in the West. Yeah, well, I'm sure he is uh, trying any strategy possible to try and get the most out of this team. Because so far, um, his uh, tactics have been mostly missed, right? I mean, you can see the improvement, but when you look at the Sharks' goal differential, it still is fairly startling, you know, that they are, while they maybe are 500 you know, there are games that when they lose, they get hammered, right? Like they just get destroyed. And that's happened a few times. So I don't know that maybe it, maybe we you can kind of discount that and you look and go, well, you know, the games that they won this week and the, the one that they lost, they were in it. They were in every one, you know, and uh, they lost by one and they won by one twice. So... And they did. They picked up points in all of them. So, That's right. You know, to walk away with three points going to St. Louis, you know, if you just took that at face value for what it is, we would take it. Of course. Yes, I'd take that. Yes. Three points in a back-to-back series in St. Louis. Of course we would take that. Yes. Yes, of so, course. What's a reasonable result for what's coming up here? Again, are we just trying – are we just looking – for them to be 500 here as they get through this next stretch. I mean, that probably is a fair expectation, right? I mean, like that if you're expecting much more from this next week, I mean, maybe that you're just setting yourself up for disappointment, right? I mean, the Sharks have Minnesota, which is a game they need to win. They need to win that game. Not a, not a three point game where they give Minnesota a, a game, a point. They need to win, right? And then Vegas, we know that's going to be hard. Will they be emotionally up for that game, dude? Is this retribution time? Yeah. Will they be able to keep their composure? I'm looking at you, Evander Kane, right? That's. I'm sure they are unbelievably irritating to play against. Um, and it seems like that is sort of their brand right now. Vegas uh, wants to irritate you, and it works. It works for them, and they win games, and they're uh, by points per game. They're, the, they're actually the best team in the West because they have they have almost the same number of points as the Blues, but fewer games played. And then again, St. Louis, and then Colorado twice, and then Vegas twice. I mean, this is a, you know going to be a really difficult couple of weeks for the Sharks with really only one team that's sort of in their... In, in their similar situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say based on so far the four games that we played against St. Louis, I mean, all four of those games have been decided by one goal. Uh, and, you know, and you could say the Sharks should have won all of them. Like, I mean, like, yeah. so St. Louis, to me, while we know that they are a better team than the Sharks, like, that's not a bad matchup. 
They right. can beat St. Louis. They know they can beat St. Louis. Uh, they are fully capable of doing that. I mean, it, you know, the first this week, I, I think it will be disappointing. Actually, no, I, it, it will be disappointing if the Sharks don't get four points this week. They need to win two of these three games. Wow. I'm not going to go that far. I think 500 overall is is a nice uh, is a nice goal, and certainly the the two games that we've played against Colorado did not go well for the Sharks. Well, I guess sorry, dude. I'm only looking at the next three games. Right. I'm looking at Minnesota, Vegas, and St. Louis this week. If we come out of these three games with four points, would yeah, you be happy with that? Oh yeah, I'd be really happy with that. I Which mean, that would mean that they beat Minnesota, which they should, and then they beat one of the other two teams. And I'm talking four points, not you gave one of those teams. It didn't go to overtime. You beat them in regulation, and you made up two points in the standing. Yeah. Like, that's – they need to start winning more games like that instead of giving away free points in a a win. Like, that's not going to help them, especially as they play – you know, the teams that they're really going to be fighting for these final spots against, which is who the back half of this schedule is is against. That's right. They play most of their games against L.A., Anaheim, Arizona, and Minnesota at the end. So we'll see, dude. It yep. is, for once, glass half full. It is glass half full, dude. Let's Sorry. let's talk Sorry. about the Michelka article. Look at what? Glass quarter full. <laughs> A third. A third full. 33% maybe, maybe maybe C minus full. Yeah. See, coming to that, uh, Curtis Pichelka wrote an article in the Mercury News rating the Sharks and the coaching staff and Doug Wilson. And we made a few jokes about this on the live stream for those of you who uh, were watching. Because while some of the grades sort of make sense, of course, this is all opinion, right? I mean, this isn't like, uh, you know, Curtis Pichelka has been covering the Sharks for a long time, but. But frankly, some of these grades to me make very little sense, and uh, I don't really quite understand what led to them. Um, you know, starting with the forwards, for instance, you know, Logan Couture, B plus, Kevin LeBanc, B minus, I don't know, that's Evander Kane, B minus. You know, those are middling grades. I, I could understand given Logan Couture is operating at fairly much a, a point per game pace and is a plus player more than other Sharks maybe only giving him a B plus might be a little harsh, um, and you know Kevin LeBanc, while his advanced stats look pretty good, he's only got eight points in sixteen games. Uh, do you really want a four or five million dollar player to be a forty point NHL player forever? I don't know if if B minus is is accurate. Maybe it it should be more like a C. I mean this is this is probably a below expectations pace uh, for Kevin LeBanc. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, if Kevin LeBanc produces at an 82 game level, if he produces 40 points, that is a failure for that contract and for that, you know, slotting him in the top six. It's not acceptable. They expect him to be a 50, high 50s point player. Uh, And he has the talent to be. And his advanced stats say that he's had some bad luck, right? I mean, he is one of, uh, you know, Corsi percentage, one of the Sharps' best players this year. So maybe the luck is going to turn here. That's not the logic that was used in the grading article. But, uh, you know, I would not give, based on his tangible stats, LeBanc a B-. I don't think he's earned that. 
I'll, you know, and Evander Kane, I think reasonable minds may disagree. I think he's been performing point production wise at a fairly decent pace, maybe slightly under expectations. Obviously, the penalties are the most uh, concerning but that's point. That's got to count. That's got to count. Oh, it counts. He it counts. Takes, I mean, I think that that, while his scoring, and I think that also his scoring has been so uneven. Like he started great and then he vanished, like he had nothing for games. And that's not, you know, that's not, that's not going to cut it. B minus. I wouldn't give him a B minus. I think he has put the Sharks at, he's been a more of a liability than an asset based on his penalty taking. Right. And then we come to two players that don't make much sense to me. Matt Nieto, who has been, was described in the article as a solid addition to the Sharks, tenacious four checker, and would be sought after at the trade deadline, B minus. What? I mean, Matt Nieto has done everything we want Matt Nieto to be doing. He's taken a very important slot on the top penalty-killing unit, and he's done very well at that. He has been exactly as advertised. He's done exactly what has been asked of him. B minus? What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Matt Nieto's an A minus, if not an A. Matt Nieto is fine. You know, this is exactly what we wanted from Matt Nieto. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, and I mean, maybe the second player you're going to get into here in a second is Ryan Donato. Like, I felt like they were both a little harshly graded when I think that they're significant upgrades over the other players that we've had playing those types of roles over the last two seasons. Right. If you're going to grade them in respect to Logan Couture, sure, of course, they don't deserve the same grade as Logan Couture, but... I think at least the article said that you would grade them according to what their expectation is. Ryan Donato's expectations weren't he was going to uh, compete and produce at a second or top line level. This guy is a third line player. Unfortunately, he was not able to stick on the top two lines. Maybe you don't give him like a solid A for that, but I think he's been fine. He's good in the shootout. He's, His production is the same as Kevin LeBanks. Right. On the stat sheet. Right. The same. And Kevin LeBanks gets a better grade. All right. Make any sense. Even though Kevin LeBanc is, you know, supposed to be a second line player. Um, Tomash Hurdle. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with this one, but certainly John Leonard and Gambrell. I think John Leonard John Leonard's a player that no one particularly expected to be on the roster. Giving him a C to me seems uh overly harsh. You know, this is you know, you got a rookie who's trying to make the team. Um Right now, he's sort of on the fourth line. It's not, you know, having trouble being in the lineup, but I don't know. I think you got to throw the kid a bone here. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That one I don't have as big of an issue with because, I mean, it, it, he's been inconsistent and, you know, st- he, he's got the worst plus minus on the team. Now, I know that that's not the end all be all of stats, but he is a minus seven. Like, I mean, like, clearly, not going as well for John Leonard as um, it probably should be. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't think anybody expected him to even be on the team. Right. Yeah. I mean, dude, I mean, let's jump ahead to Kanishoff because I think that's the one that might have been the biggest head scratcher. Right. So, you know, we go Mario Ferraro B+, uh, Brent Burns B, Vlasic C, Shimmick C, Kanishoff C. This is... (laughs) This is a guy that no one expected to be in the lineup, but he's played 20 minutes a night. Like, you're yeah, gonna... that's the one that I don't understand at all. I mean, he is, 
again, you know, looking at advanced stats, he's the Corsi percentage, Corsi relative. He is the Sharks' best defenseman right. of of the regular players. See, I mean, no one thought this guy was even going to be on the team. I don't get that one at all, dude. In in terms of performing above expectations or at least at expectations, I think Kanijov has definitely performed higher than any expectations. Oh, he's of course he's got to be above the everybody's expectations. Yeah. Nobody could have penciled this guy in for 20 minutes. No. Dude, in terms of the goalies, they gave Dubnik a, uh, a B and Martin Jones a C. Do you agree with those ratings? Would you go higher or lower on either? Um, I would go lower on both. I mean, they're both below league average goalies. I mean, like, I think we've seen, uh, you know, positive steps, you know, in terms of Martin Jones's last three games. I love Dubnik's compete level. His size, his athleticism, but statistically, it's not. It's just, it's still not good enough when you look at, you know, Martin Jones's quality start percentage is 364. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> he has 11 starts and four quality starts. Ah, That's horrific. Yeah. It's so, it is bad. Now, maybe it's getting better, but no, you don't get a C for that. Right. Like, I just don't think that's, that's, that's lowering the bar, right? Well, for Martin Jones, it's a C, right? Well, for for NHL expectations, it's lower than that. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's getting paid like a top half goaltender and he's performing as a below third goal t- as, as the lowest third goaltender. Now, to his credit, he's been better, right? I mean, he's sure. been better. Yes. But I wouldn't give Dubnik a B. Like I mean, like I just don't think like a B means that you're maybe, you know, in the, you know, top you know 20 to 15 to 20 goalies like then you're then, then you're a, a maybe you're a b there i mean these guys are nowhere near that right like they're nowhere near that so, and the, the second period didn't look so good for Devin dubnik in the last game and he had a pretty nice looking save percentage but now it's sunk down to 910 which is probably league average or below and his goals against while both of those stats are still better than Martin Jones, they're probably, like you said, below league average. So these are, you know, these are not goaltenders that you think, okay, we can, he can bail us out some night. It's like you don't expect either of these goaltenders to bail you out any night. You hope they don't lose the game for you at this point. So yeah. that's that's the trouble with these guys. It's could they actually put in a good performance? That's, of course, they're both capable of it. You know, they both had. Uh, good records in the NHL previous to this, but right now, it's I would say it's surprising if they turn in some standing on their head kind of kind of performance, and if they suddenly get soft and cough up three goals in five minutes, you're going to be like, oh, more of the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not great. Like, like, again, you know, not to be the Debbie Downer, but you look at the the advanced stats there on Martin Jones, they're they're bad. They are still bad. Like he is the Ottawa goalies are the worst. And if you look at, you know, goals allowed percentage, a hundred is average. The lower, the better, right? Martin Jones is 127. Ah. That is the third worst of regular NHL goals. Yeah. Right now, Devin Dubnik is 97. So that is, slightly better than average average is a c 
Yeah. So you don't get a B for that. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I think if you are, you know, in if you're Cam Talbot and you're an 86, that's a B. To me. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. Well, dude, despite maybe uh, the fact that the goaltending isn't doing so well, the Sharks are doing a little bit better, and maybe they can continue it this week. I, I hope you guys will choose to join us for the Twitch stream on Thursday. Come and help us in this experiment. See if it's fun. Absolutely. And it's been better. I mean, you know, I think we should really end this on. It's been this week has been better. And it will be interesting to see if they can continue to improve, right? Because it, it's hard to imagine it could get worse than what we were seeing in stretches. Can they improve their compete level? Will they respond against Vegas with some sort of emotional response? They should. Yeah. They should, right? And not in an inappropriate way where Ryan Reeves sucks you into bad penalties. Will they play hard and get testie with a team that probably looks at them and goes you know we we can we own these guys right whenever we want it right it's time for them to stand up and say no that's why this week is there are positive results possible here for sure all right dude all right we'll see what happens this coming uh this coming week please join us on thursday night everybody on thursday see you thursday see you thursday everyone go sharks Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.